Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. So the big question for all of us, how do you cut the high cost of gas at the pump? Some on Capitol Hill say the solution is just use an electric vehicle. But aside from the cost of those cars, does switching to electric really mean we'll use no gas? That that will drive prices down? That it will be better for the environment? Let's get past the headlines. Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. Well, it's very easy to say, well, if there is such a high demand for gas and uh, we're not producing enough of our own, and so that is increasing the cost as those prices continue to skyrocket. If the answer is just as simple as everybody should drive electric cars, is that really it? And will that really solve the problem? I think we have to look past the headlines in all of that. Uh, In a uh, moment of uh, tin ear and tone deafness, uh, Senator Debbie Stabenow of Michigan was speaking at a Senate Finance Committee hearing about that very subject of high price for gas. Listen to what she said. On the issue of uh, uh, gas prices, after waiting for a long time uh, to have enough chips in this country to finally get my electric vehicle, I got it uh, and drove it from Michigan to here this last weekend and went by every single gas station and didn't matter how high it was. Okay, Uh, so the senator from Michigan, uh, I think, uh, may have offended most of her constituents in that uh, single sentence there because it's it's very hard to play that all the way through. So while we should all be happy for Senator Stabenow that she both could get an electric car and that she could pay well over one hundred thousand dollars for it, uh, including including, by the way, uh, the little subsidy that everybody gets for buying an electric vehicle, about $7,500, which goes directly to Elon Musk. So we should all feel better about that. Now, obviously, she said she didn't have to worry about the price of gas because she was cruising along on electric. Um, she didn't really think through uh, when she stopped to plug that thing in where that electricity was coming from, from how that was being produced. Uh, nor did she really go down the, the path of how was that car actually built and how much gas uh, was used by everything from the uh, those, those that were extracting the minerals that are required to produce those batteries, 
which has a huge, huge negative environmental impact, uh, not to mention getting it across the seas, and you can go on down the list. Uh, there's a lot of gas used in that. Uh, and so we want to go, again, past the headline. I think uh, Senator Stabenow kind of stepped in it just a little bit there um, because she is wealthy enough that, she, one, she can afford one, uh, and that's not the uh, the reality for most people. But then we also have to really look at what is the benefit overall and how long does it really take to uh, to even out to a, a car that a regular American could afford uh, and what the environmental impact is from that vehicle over time. Uh, not too long ago, we had Phil Rossetti from the R Street Institute joined us. Uh, we talked about a just a really interesting study from Harvard on the real cost of electric vehicle use and ownership because many of the costs of an electric vehicle aren't seen starting with that manufacturing process. But that requires a huge amount of minerals that have to be extracted, a lot of metals, and actually getting that much material, it's much more emissions intensive than a conventional vehicle. Uh, you know, it's about six times as many minerals required for a EV compared to uh, a conventional vehicle. So again, about six times the amount of minerals have to be extracted from the earth uh, to be able to produce those batteries and all the other parts uh, of an electric vehicle, six times more than in a conventional vehicle. And guess what? A lot of that takes gasoline. You guessed it. Now, Phil also pointed out that if you're not driving, uh, if you're not doing a, a high volume of driving, there may not be a great reason to get an electric vehicle. Because an EV has very high emissions associated with its manufacturing mm. compared to a conventional vehicle, but has a lower emissions for each mile that it's driven. So if you're not driving these cars enough, then you're not actually getting an emissions benefit. So that's an important factor, the emissions benefit. So yes, an electric vehicle puts out far less emissions uh, as it's being driven. However, the amount of emissions that come out in producing it and making it is incredibly high. And so you actually have to drive that electric vehicle a lot in order to balance that out. Uh, Phil actually pointed out to us that most owners of electric vehicles are buying them as a second car to their conventional car. Uh, he talked about what it takes to make an electric vehicle as a second car or as a even as a primary vehicle counter the manufacturing emissions it puts out. You'd have to hold on to it for about 10 to 11 years, and you'd have to drive it at least 70,000 miles before you even start getting a net benefit. But you compare that to a household that might have no vehicle and buys a new one, it's much easier to get a benefit. You'd only have to hold on to it for about two to three years and drive it 28,000 miles. So again, you'd have to, to have that for a significant amount. Uh, if it's a second car, you got to have to hold on to that for... 10 or 11 years, 70,000 miles is kind of the balance point, according to the Harvard study, to, to counter the manufacturing emissions. Uh, now, if you can't keep the vehicles very long, then are they really better for the environment? Phil shared with us what he knows right now in terms of the end-of-life issues for electric vehicles that has to be factored in as well. There's a big debate as to how long do these batteries actually last, uh, how long before they have to be replaced, which can be a very expensive repair for a new vehicle. And right now, EVs are so new into the market that we just don't have a lot of understanding of how long people hold on to their EVs. 
And then finally, uh, we're talking about the government subsidies. Um, but who are they really helping? Who are they really helping get into electric vehicles? Uh, and Phil pointed out to us some of the problems with the way the current subsidies are structured. It's not really targeted towards an outcome. It's not really saying, okay, if you're utilizing this EV this much, then you get rewarded for the environmental benefit. It's just saying, hey, if you buy an EV, here's a a big chunk of money. So again, often that benefit uh, is actually going to the wealthy who can afford 100,000 plus for an electric vehicle. Um, And again, as Phil pointed out, according to the Harvard study, a lot of them are using using these as second vehicles, so they're not driving them as much. And so, again, the emissions benefit is much smaller. Uh, we've done a government subsidy. Again, a lot of that goes to Elon Musk and his company. And then are we really getting the benefit in terms of emissions? And so this is a, a, a good think-again model and analysis uh, in terms of how we think about electric vehicles is you can't just think about it from the front and think, oh, well, that's good. It puts out less emissions, so that's going to be better for the environment. You have to look at the whole life cycle from the extraction of the mi- minerals on the front end to how you get rid of it on the back end and everything in between. And so just moving and saying, oh, everybody just sh- should just buy an electric vehicle uh, is not the answer, nor does it actually solve the problem We've got to be focused on the outcomes of all of this if we're ever going to get the right strategies in place that'll get us to the right place. Think again with Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.